Welcome to Tickabide Tidbits. I'm your host, Lisa Carson, and today we're joined by Mark Kwiatkowski, who has owned and managed bars and venues for the past 25 years. Mark has been very successful running themed pop-up event promotions as part of the promotional strategy of a permanent venue. Mark owns Replay Lincoln Park, a barcade entertainment space in Chicago that's both a bar and an arcade venue. A key part of the venue strategy has been themed pop-up events, where the entire space gets converted with new theme for a period of time. Their recent theme was the very epic Game of Thrones, which was really successful. Mark talks about his pop-up strategy, what goes into creating and running a short-term themed event, and how it's scheduled and promoted in conjunction with regular weekly events. Mark has a lot of experience working in hospitality and has some great advice for venue and event managers, so I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Can you start by sharing a bit about your background with our listeners? Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so my background, I've been in the hospitality business for 25 years or so as a uh, owner-operator of various bars, nightclubs, and restaurants. And currently, uh, Replay Lincoln Park, I've been at that location since the year 2000. And, uh, and I've been running an arcade bar there since 2012. So uh, Replay Lincoln Park is in Chicago and it's like an entertainment venue. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So uh, Replay Lincoln Park, uh, 9,000 square feet, 65 to 70 vintage arcade games, pinball machines, ball machines, air hockey, bubble hockey. They're all on free play, so they're free to play. Uh, we specialize in craft beer, uh, trying to... Uh, embrace as much of the local craft beer here in Chicago. And then we have specialty cocktails, premium drinks abound. So I saw that you guys uh, sort of promote as like a, a barcade. So it's like half bar, half arcade, come in and you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bar and arcade, perfect place to uh, put your smartphone down and, and play some games and engage with your friends. And uh, we play great music, uh, DJs Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights and and regular events weekly. And then we do these amazing immersive pop-up events. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to ask some more about that. Uh, so people can book parties in your space, but uh, are people generally coming in groups or is it mixed? Like what sort of audiences are you attracting and what's your target market? Well, it's definitely a mixed crowd. Uh, we certainly get larger groups, uh, you know, birthday parties, especially when you're a kid, you wanted to have it in an arcade or a bowling alley or whatnot. So now that you're 21, we are 21 and up. People really enjoy reliving their youth and having a uh, a great party in an arcade setting. I, th- I think it sounds like fun. I'd be all over it. So you mentioned that you run themed experiences at your venue. Uh, what are some of the different themes you've done? Moe's Tavern. Uh, so the Simpsons, Moe's Tavern. Uh, shortly thereafter, we did Rick and Morty. Uh, Lips and Chits, a space arcade, we called that one. Then we did Patty's Pub for St. Patrick's Day, Patty's Pub from Always Sunny in, in Philadelphia. May the 4th be with you, a uh, <laughs> Wretched Hive Cantina. Then we did Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Go has a uh, big festival here in Chicago every year. So we timed it with that. We did Pokemon uh, Go, You Gotta Drink Them All was the uh, theme of that one. Uh, then we kicked off the office party, so Dunder Mifflin from the office uh that one ran for six weeks that was one of our longer running ones preparing for halloween we did two separate pop-up events in the back room south park uh, satan's sweet 16 and then in the main room we did uh, buffy the vampire slayer nice uh, then a friend's pop-up so the central perk 
Rachel and Monica's apartment. We did Joey and Chandler's apartment. The Central Perk was the uh, main bar area. And then, you know, we obviously had the iconic couch, uh, yeah, great photo yeah. ops for that one. A couple actually got married uh, in our top kind of cool. We took the month of January off uh, during the polar vortex here in Chicago and prepared <laughs> for our grandest, most immersive pop-up, the uh, Game of Thrones pop-up that we kicked off uh, February 1st. That one lasted over three months. It was it was just wild how well-received that one was, and, and it just kept going and going and kept extending it, and uh, there was so much pent-up demand for that one that was uh, yeah, absolutely. amazing. We had already planned the next one uh, kicking off uh, early May, and that was the Fire Festival. That was based <laughs> on the failed Bahamian festival run by Ja Rule and Billy McFarland. So we did that, uh, and that just ended last week. Nice. So you've done quite a lot. I, I think I'm definitely going to have to get some photos uh, from some of these events that we can put online and share because I think it'd be great for people to see some of what you've done. So how do you choose like the themes? Is there criteria you look for that you think is appealing to your particular market? A lot of it is uh, we do polls on Facebook asking people uh, for suggestions. Then maybe we'll okay. populate four, four selections and let people vote on it. There's no exact science. Yeah. So you hosted um, the, I think it was called Bucket List Game of Thrones Experience. And there was over like 3,000 tickets uh, sold between February and April this year, which is great. Can you tell us uh, about what you did to put this together and what the experience actually was for customers? What were they seeing when they walked in the door? All right. Well, so we offered the, the experience uh, to kind of alleviate uh, pressures on, on people having to wait in line because we knew that this a lot of the pop-ups, we ended up having long lines to get in. We were kicking this thing off right after the polar vortex, and it was, you know, February typically is bitter cold in Chicago. So if people wanted to, we didn't want to have them be scared to come to this event uh, and and feel like they'd have to wait in line, so we which is a the, very real concern in Chicago, standing outside. Yeah, yeah. So so for thirty dollars, guests got a commemorative T-shirt, a uh, ten dollar drink token, good for one of the uh, signature Game of Thrones themed cocktails, or one of the uh, Omegang ales that uh, Omegang brewed specifically for Game of Thrones, and then. Um, and then they got express entry, so there was no need to wait in line. They just showed up at the door, bypassed any line, and walked right in. And then they walked right into a very immersive Game of Thrones experience. Of course, we had the Iron Throne. We had uh, giant dragons, hand, handmade paper mache and foam. We uh, decked out all the different bars. We have four bars in the space, and uh, one of them was... Uh, inspired by King's Landing, one by Dothraki, one by the nor- North of the Wall. Um, oh, I and love then, it. And then the last one was um, the Wall of Faces appears oh, okay. in Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, so, uh, so the backdrop of that bar was the Wall of Faces. Oh, that sounds awesome. That sounds really good. It was really comprehensive. So um, this was something people had to book for a specific day to come and have this experience? Yeah, so if they wanted to uh, book the bucket list experience, they chose the date that they wanted to attend, uh, bought their ticket, and then just presented you know, either a printed copy or obviously the uh, app. And then we also had a, a list at the door just in case somebody forgot both. 
Yeah. So I've seen uh, customer reviews about how they love all the effort that you put into um, converting the space and really getting into the theme and finding great props and doing themed drink menus and that sort of thing. Uh, can you tell us a bit about how you bring theme to life and where you find everything and how you go about converting the space? Uh, you, I know you mentioned to me that you've got a pop-up design squad, so maybe you can tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So uh, one of our... Uh one of our bartenders uh, is a longtime artist, a uh, trained uh, fine art artist, and uh, he uh, led the charge for the first pop-up, the Most Tavern, and uh, and then formally kind of put together a team. They call themselves the Pop-Up Squad, and they're six core members and then a few others that uh, they bring on for some of the more involved pop-ups. And along with it, they create these prints. Uh, commemorative prints of the pop-up and sell those prints as well. And most of the experiences, you know, handcrafted. So uh, they all have their specialties, whether it's painting murals or uh, forming dragons, like watching the dragon get created was amazing. It started out as uh, just a, a bunch of styrofoam that they glued together and then shaped into the uh, the general shape of, of one of the dragons, then paper mache it and then painted it beautifully. And, and this thing was probably 20 feet long by, you know, the head itself was, you know, the size of a front end of a car. Uh, they they wow. obviously handcrafted a, an iron throne for us. And that was, again, an amazing transformation. They took an Adirondack chair, like a plastic Adirondack chair, and then uh, adorned it with styrofoam and rubber and wood and all this and, and made it look like an exact replica of the iron throne. And I was awesome. worried, honestly, that it might not endure the uh, all the photo ops that were going to yeah yeah to be enjoyed by that and tens of thousands, literally tens of thousands of people sat in that thing and, <laughs> uh, and it made it. We had to regularly had to touch it up and and whatnot, but uh, yeah. it was amazing that it lasted. And it's actually it's traveling right now. Uh, a convention in St. Louis uh, wanted to borrow it. Oh, the props are that good. I like it. Yeah. So. Do you stick to a set budget for each theme or for production and for promotion, or do you invest more in particular themes? For for example, Game of Thrones, if you thought that's going to be really big, we're going to go big time on this. How do you work that out? Yeah, so Game of Thrones is definitely the uh, most ambitious, and I knew that was going to be the most expensive. Uh, we, we often don't transform the entire space, but very often we do just the back room, which is 3,000 square feet. This one, uh, we realized that the epicness of the Game of Thrones series required us to uh, transform the entire space. So 9,000 square feet, you know, it took a lot of money, a lot of time, uh, two weeks. Fortunately, unfortunately, I guess, uh, the the build happened uh, during the polar vortex. And by the way, we stay open during these builds. Um, sometimes we'll close down one room or the other, uh, depending on you know timing and whatnot. But uh, the polar vortex hit us just as we started the build for this for the, the Game of Thrones pop up. Yeah. And because of that was <laughs> so winter was coming big time. <laughs> yeah, winter is coming. That was perfect timing. Uh, there was no uh we didn't lose a lot of business because people laid low uh during that bitter cold. Um uh, but the, the the cons were that you know we had Amazon literally wasn't delivering for three or four days. So there were certain yeah. things that we were needed from Amazon or you know Home Depot uh, were, they were delayed in, in receiving shipments of, you know, for example, I don't know, a hundred sheets of styrofoam that we needed to, to, to build a lot of the, uh, the elements for, for the Game of Thrones pop-up. So we had to wait on that. So 
it made things a little bit challenging, but we got, we were planning on opening February 1st and we made that deadline just in the nick of time. Nice. So how has using pop-up theme events as a promotional strategy impacted your business? So it's, it's been wonderful. Uh, There are obviously been some, some misses, but they're (laughs) mostly hits. Um, And the beauty of it is that I find that we attract just different demographics based on the different pop-ups. Game of Thrones, I think their audience is quite different than the Friends audience and then different than the Simpsons audience, for example. I think those are three pretty disparate um, audiences that uh, uh, we are able to expose to what our core core competency is, and that's arcade games. So we have, again, 65 vintage arcade games and pinball machines and, and everyone loves those. Everyone, pretty much everyone enjoys those or maybe they never played a, a, a arcade cabinet or hadn't played one in a long time. Yeah. And, you know, they obviously experience it and uh, will come back to play the games again. So like the theme is, is, you know, can pull in people who may not have considered coming into an arcade bar. And then once they're in there, they get that experience and, you know, you may have ongoing customers from that. Yeah. Do you uh, use these events in conjunction with other promotions uh, with your venue? I know you run things like trivia and bingo and karaoke. So how, do the, how does the two go together? So sometimes we have to force them together a little bit. Sometimes it just works out beautifully, uh, serendipitously almost. Um, for example, Friends uh, featured karaoke prominently in several episodes. So karaoke was a big hit for Friends, The Office. It did well for, for uh, Game of Thrones as well. We did cosplay karaoke, and, and you know, I kind of suspected and learned that people that like to dress up and, and participate in cosplay also, you know, like to do karaoke. They're, they're, <laughs> they're theatrical. They like they like to show off, you know, their their various skills. So, so that was a, a good combination. Um, the cycle bingo that we do weekly. So it's the, we call it not your mama's bingo. It's uh, very loud and crude and. <laughs> And it's, it's the core. The core game is still the same, bingo. But you know, for example, if you make a mistake and call bingo incorrectly, you get punished, and there's a wheel of pain. We call it. And they have to spin the wheel, and and whatever it lands on, they have to to do whether to whether it's to drink some nasty shot or to parade around the room while people throw their bingo cards at you or <laughs> oh, no. uh, do 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 different, you know silly dances or, or whatnot. It's hosted by a, hosted by a, a talented performer that uh, really engages the audience. Um, so for bingo, oftentimes the, uh, the, the tie-in is just the prizes. So the prizes will be a Game of Thrones DVD set or a, I mean, there's obviously we do t-shirts for all the uh, different pop-ups. So t-shirts are some of the prizes, but we always have a grand prize. The grand prize is typically valued at two to $300. So, we try to tie that into the, the pop-up as best we can. Uh, and then we obviously do the, the weekly trivia every Thursday. And those are easy tie-ins to, to the, to whatever the, the pop-up. For example, for the office, we the demand was so high for office-themed trivia that we were running trivia up to five times a week oh, wow. to accommodate the demand. We normally, before, before the office trivia, we didn't do... Um, reservations we just did kind of an informal sign up okay and uh and and we oversold that first one where literally we could not let anyone else in the building uh and 
people are waiting outside. We had to tell them, I'm sorry, you're, you know, people are going to be playing trivia for the next two hours. No one's going to be leaving. So I'm sorry. I don't think you'll be able to get in. Oh, and wow. uh, we then created, uh, you know, five, up to five trivia nights yeah. a week to accommodate the demand. So uh, why is it valuable to the business to get people to pre-purchase tickets? It, it was crucial for, for Game of Thrones because we knew the demand would be tremendous. Um, so we, we did want to accommodate people so they knew that they could get in. So we felt like people might be scared off if they didn't have that option that they might show up and not be able to get in. And people are traveling from all over the you know, from the from all over the country. I don't know if they were literally coming, traveling just for a pop-up, or they were coming, maybe they were coming to Chicago anyway, and they wanted to enjoy that. But people are certainly traveling from 100 miles or more away just for our event. So we wanted to give them a guarantee, a, you know, guarantee that they'd have a great experience and not get stuck out in the cold. Uh, so that was uh, critical. And then, you know, the T-shirt aspect, we obviously can't just get t-shirts made up in a, a day or two. We have to plan ahead. So yeah. it was great to know that we had, that we we're expecting, you know, 500 t-shirts for the upcoming weekend. So we could uh, order them ahead of time and make sure that we had them ready and, and available for the guests. And so people could order their size or something like that. Yeah, that too. So what sort of promotion do you do? What channels um, do you use to reach different audiences? Well, so our, uh, the, the greatest uh, advertisement is the media. The media just eats these things up. So anytime, almost anytime we announce one of these pop-ups, uh, we are on TV regularly. We're on the radio. Either either they come to us and they do you know, shoots, shoots in the house or I go to the studio. We, it, it just cracks me up. Like, for example, the Rick and Morty pop-up, French G2 wrote us up. And it was just funny seeing you know, wubba lubba dub dub, and then translate translation in French, wubba lubba dub dub. I don't know. It was just cracked right. me up. Um, but the press is, uh, is international, uh, but somewhat international, but certainly national, uh, from travel and leisure to Forbes to Fast Company to the Philadelphia Inquirer writing up the uh, Always Sunny pop up to you know, the New York Post comparing us to a uh, Game of Thrones event that happened in New York City. So it, it's just been wonderful. That's great. And so that's such a great response. Yeah. So the press has been a tremendous uh, driver of traffic, uh, word of mouth, obviously. Uh, and then Facebook and so all the social media channels are important. I, I could always get a good gauge of the upcoming success of a pop-up based on how people are engaged with it in, in on our Facebook page and our Instagram page and how many shares and yeah. reposts and likes that we get through that. So that's always a good indicator. Yeah. So uh, what advice do you have for other venues around integrating themes and unique experiences or short run promotions? Well, I feel like uh, you got to try it. The uh, My mom, strangely enough, it cracks me up a little bit. She asks me, why do you keep doing these? Like, you know, why just, why not, why not just keep one that's going well? And I said, well, mom, it's like, it's like a movie or a play or something like that. No one's going to keep going to see the same movie over and over. Uh, I just feel like, you know, it's pretty obvious that people want new experiences and, yeah. and new things. And, and, you know, Instagram is a, a key thing to consider. You want to create great photo ops because everybody wants, 
to share their, you know, where they're at, Absolutely. their experiences on their social media channel. So, so keep that in mind, create very iconic Instagram worthy photo opportunities. That's a, a key driver of, because then, and then, then people are advertising for you. They're yeah. taking pictures, you know, in front, with the white walkers or sitting in the iron throne or on the friend's uh, sofa or on and on and on. So that's, so the work going into having those those things there and available is, is going to pay for itself. Yes. Okay. And so what is your next themed event? Can you tell us a bit about that? So June, Friday, June 21st, we're kicking off the Salty Spittoon at Bikini Bottom, a uh, SpongeBob SquarePants pop-up. Jeremy, our lead artist, is a uh, big fan and he's been clamoring for this one for a while. <laughs> we had to do it when it's summertime out basically you know just feel it obviously feel it is underwater it's, I mean, it's not going to be underwater but <laughs> it's beachy it's uh you know people wear hawaiian shirts and you know we, we have sand and palm trees and and all that so it you know makes sense for it to feel summery so we wanted to do it in the summer and on the heels of our fire fest pop-up the was a no-brainer to do it next because we already have six tons of sand in the building and yeah. and <laughs> giant twenty-foot palm live palm trees and and a lot of that uh, beach feel already. So um, that's what we're kicking off next. Nice. The other things I was going to ask is: is there any great advice that you've been given, or advice that you wish you'd known at the start of your career? I don't know if somebody gave me this advice. I don't think they gave me this advice, but advice that. I've learned and, and, and realized uh, that there isn't a lot of magic to hospitality. There's you know, a little bit, there's some magic, I guess, but the, the, the core of it is paying attention to the details, getting those things right, you know, making sure that the venue is comfortable, that the air conditioning works, that uh, the drinks are consistent, that uh, the staff is friendly and accommodating, that, you know, the games in this instance are all working properly we spend a lot of time maintaining that so really paying attention to the detail is no that all the little details are what creates uh, a memorable experience for the guest and and that's something that sometimes you might lose sight of when you're looking at the big picture whether it's you know bringing in a big name dj or executing a you know 9000 square foot very immersive pop up um, you still have to pay attention to those details otherwise uh, all that could be lost. Um, all that expense and effort that you put out for the big event might just fall on deaf ears if someone's not greeted nicely at the door or poured yeah. a uh, an unbalanced cocktail. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, get the cocktails right. Don't don't mess that up. <laughs> can um, you tell? Because we're talking about events and it's an events podcast. Can you tell us about a, a great event that you've attended and what you loved about it? Great event that I've attended. I've attended a lot of great events, but uh, Lollapalooza, they do a great job every year. Oh, I, love, I haven't uh, been to that kids. yet. Yeah, I love taking the kids and the family to that. Um, I'm often uh, blessed with VIP tickets through one of my vendors, and and that's you know that takes the experience to another level. But um, they do a great job uh, executing that event. Um, last year, or two years ago, I went to uh, a pretty cool event. Uh, in Indianapolis for the, the golf championships. I, I can't okay. say anything what they call it exactly. At the end of the season, World Golf Championship, I think it's called. BMW sponsored the, the big VIP tent, and I was invited to it. And 
it was just from A to Z, just an amazing experience. We met in Chicago at uh, the BMW d- dealership. They gave us uh, use of one of their brand new 2018 BMWs, and then we kind of caravaned it down to Indianapolis. And then just from the hotel, how they greet us at the hotel and valeted our cars to the uh, experience that we, we got to park with, with, the, with the players uh, at, the, uh, at, the, at the golf course and then the actual uh, hospitality tent with just amazing food and drinks and massages and nice. swag that you get to take home and then and then just enjoying the golf. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a, a memorable experience. So those are two recent ones. Nice. That sounds great. So, and finally, I have to ask you, are you a Game of Thrones fan and did you like the ending? So I am a Game of Thrones fan. I didn't watch. Uh, after, I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, so I watched the first season. My wife and I watched the first episode back when it came out, how many, 10 years ago, whatever it was. And she found it too violent. So most of our TV time is together. Yeah. So other than, honestly, I watch TV alone and I call it work when I'm researching pop-ups. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I tell, tell my wife, Going to bed it's after that, I research to work. that you've got to do. Going downstairs and watching uh, The Office, which is one of my favorite shows, and uh, and she laughed. Uh, so I tried to watch. I tried to catch up as much of on Game of Thrones as I could. Uh, when the new the final season aired, I did watch uh, a few of the episodes, but honestly, it was kind of lost. And uh, <laughs> and, a then, little bit and then and then still haven't watched the final episode, but I heard mixed reviews. I, I had to, I binge watched the last two seasons to try and catch up to, so that I could watch the uh, the final on time. So uh, we got yeah. there and, and I you, got there in the end. Good, good. And what did you think of the final? Um, I, I don't know how they could have done it to make everyone happy, but I wasn't overly thrilled. But <laughs> I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. It, right. it wasn't. It wasn't a depressing ending. It was just. Uh, it wasn't particularly exciting. Yeah, it's but funny. Yeah, uh, didn't, everyone, they, they didn't kill off my favorite character, so I'm fine. Some of the uh, some of the most you know celebrated shows in TV history very often you know end with disappointment. Like yes. Seinfeld was one. That, you know, Sopranos. Was like, well, <laughs> the Sopranos, I kind of enjoyed actually. I, I mean, I was a little like it left me wanting more. I mean, it was very intentional. You didn't even know it was over. You thought. You thought. Wait, did something go wrong? Did my direct TV go out or, or what happened exactly? But uh, then reflecting on that one, I thought that was a pretty good ending, honestly. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I, I, I didn't have an issue with that one. It's hard to please everybody. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for chatting with me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. And then if, uh, if anyone's in Chicago or living in Chicago or visiting the Windy City, uh, be sure to check out replay at Lincoln Park Uh, which is on North Sheffield Avenue. I'm definitely going to check it out next time in Chicago. So I think that'd be great. Wonderful. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this was Ticket Bud Tidbits.